I'm Derek Doak, and you're listening to The Real Talk Podcast. For over 25 years, I've been serving the investment property industry, from preparing tax returns for property owners when I worked in public accounting, to creating and managing multi-million dollar syndications as a commercial broker. Throughout my career, I have always had a passion for learning and teaching what I have learned to others. This podcast is for commercial property owners and those who provide professional services to owners. My goal is to bring value to you through the sharing of best practices and industry knowledge. Each episode is geared towards providing knowledge and insights around topics and trends affecting property management, asset management, and investment management. Please enjoy this episode, and if I can be of any assistance, please do not hesitate to reach out to me directly at Derek at DokeMail.com. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome to another Real Estate Investments Insights podcast. I'm your host, Derek Doak. And as we have listened over the last couple months, we have this new podcast that's a subsidiary of the Real Estate Investment Insights with uh, Jordan Elliott and myself, part of the NEI family. We put together a podcast centered around you know property management, asset management, you know things to look at and consider when you're looking at those types of operations. And in this episode, What we're really talking about is situations that both Jordan and I have been a part of recently is families that are at a point where they need to have a succession plan for their business of real estate that they own. And some of the kids don't want to be a part of that going forward, but the parents want to hold on to those assets and have them provide cash flow for the family members versus just selling them and taking a loss or whatever might happen, tax consequences, just all different types of parameters. So, so today's topic is just that, you know, what is the legacy planning around family assets as it relates to, you know, mom and dad built this portfolio, what to do with it. And then, you know, the succession planning of how do we maintain that? So uh, with me is Jordan Elliott down in beautiful Portland, Oregon. I'm up here in Seattle, Washington, and the sun is out and it's springtime. So I got a feeling we're going to have a really good show here. Hey, Derek. Great to see you again. And uh, hopefully that sun's coming our way because it's cloudy and pouring rain in Portland on this beautiful April day. <laughs> well, I know the information we're going to share right now is going to put some sunshine in everybody's life. Nice. So uh, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll jump into that. Uh, you know, you and I have talked about this quite a bit because you and I deal with it a lot. And our primary goal is to help families steward their assets. Um, and, uh, you know, most of the time we're able to find solutions for it and sometimes we're not, and, but we help them find the right solution that fits for them. When you think about, you know, the idea of a succession plan around asset management versus property management versus brokerage, mm-hmm. what do you, what comes to mind? How do you kind of start that conversation off and what do you help your clients think about? Yeah, it's a great topic, Derek. And as I think we've referred to in the past, this is a a very common question that comes up for us because most of our clients are families and uh, either have been or are in the middle of this exact transition you're talking about. So um, the first thing I'd say in response to your question is there's a through line in in our conversations on this podcast about goal setting. And uh, I think goal setting is key here just to as you alluded to at the beginning, understand where is the family in terms of their transition? What are the goals of the parents? What are the goals of the siblings? Um, And I think that overlaps with this asset management conversation we frequently have as well. 
of the higher level strategic approach to a family's portfolio. Um, and so that's that's always the place that we want to start, whether we're doing it directly or working with a third-party asset manager to understand what the goals are. Um, and also to your introductory comments, it it, it just strikes home this, um, I, I guess I'd call it the potential loft opportunity of a family, maybe a, a, a set of parents who have built a real estate portfolio and they're just kind of thinking to themselves, well, I'll liquidate and move on. And, and what a potential loss of generational wealth that could be for the family, because there are very uh, practical ways that a portfolio can be pivoted to have served the goals of an you know an aging parent group uh, to pivot to serve the goals of a younger set of children, whether they want to be involved directly on the day-to-day of the portfolio or be more um, kind of removed and using uh, professionals like like us and our firms to execute on whatever that vision is. But it starts with asset management, starts with a set of goals that are long-term, and then uh, really thinking about who's going to operationalize those goals on the property management standpoint. And for us, it always starts there. Like what, what is actually going to happen at those properties? How are they tended to? Is there deferred maintenance or are there capital projects need to be addressed? What's the leasing strategy? All of those things. And then uh, from our perspective, then really tying into the brokers that have specific assignments, whether it's you know on vacancies, whether they're acquisition disposition needs um, or whatever aligns with those broader set of goals. Yeah, no, I, and that's a good clarification around an asset manager versus a property manager. Um, I know in situations that I've been working in recently is they would like to have one group be the asset manager and another group be the property manager. And uh, and it's that division of responsibility because some individuals I've worked with in the past, they like having it all in one and others like to know that my asset manager isn't personally tied to the property management side. And so they're not, you know, they have the ability then to change property managers as needed that aren't doing what they need to do. Um, and, uh, but what usually happens is they end up coming back in house anyways, but that's a different story. So, but the idea is that an asset manager is kind of like that conductor of an orchestra, right? They're the ones that are getting everyone to play the instruments the right way. So that it all makes really good music together. And the property manager is somebody that's going to be within the orchestra, but they're not going to be necessarily driving the strategy around what's happened. They're making sure that asset's doing what it needs to do and making sure it's being taken care of and providing the uh, the, the necessary resources um, and capabilities to make sure that asset does what it does. Um, and uh, and so I think having that division of duty within an operation or outside the operation is key uh, when somebody's looking at a succession plan. Um, yes. Because that asset manager too is going to be looking at, is this the highest and best use of, of the property? And mm-hmm. so if there's somebody out there who's advising a family office or a high net worth family that has multiple assets, it's how do we maximize this for future generations? Because mm-hmm. they might be in a point, and I've got a couple right now, I'm thinking of this, this pops in my head, that we're working on new strategies because the strategy was around where these family members were in their lives in their 70s and 80s. And the next generation's in their 30s and 40s, and they're saying, how can we leverage these assets to grow it and build the cash flow for the next generation? Um, And that's a different conversation. So it's when you're interviewing people and talking to people about it, of how to do a succession plan, that has to play into it, is what is your strategy and what is your long-term goals as a family today? And where could it be 50 years from now? 
Yeah, I think um, as we've talked about this before and now during our session here, I, I hope the listeners can imagine a triangle that has three points, one asset management, one property management, one brokerage. Um, and this all kind of falls under the subset just of the commercial real estate um, aspect of all the professional advisors that a, um, a family like the one we're talking about needs. But if you think about that triangle, you know, it's it's really important to distinguish that somebody has the responsibility for each of the three. And as you said, it could be under one roof, like, like any ILA or any Puget Sound properties, we do those things, could be under separate roofs. But ultimately, somebody has to have that point of view for each side of the triangle. Because if you just to, to give an example, if you think about a property manager whose goal is to think about what happened in the last 12 months, what's going to happen in the next 12 months, and how are they reporting against variances um, that, that happen in between, they're going to be very, very focused on practical, important, but practical things like how do I get this particular project done during the spring season? You know, we're, we're gearing up right now for asphalt and painting and all the things that can happen when the weather turns. That's a really difficult shift to go from that to then think about leasing strategy or thinking about longer term capital improvements to the building or thinking about a strategy for deferred maintenance. Like that's really an asset management thing. And to shift between those is very difficult. Uh, some people can do it, uh, but but I frankly would say that most can't. Within one roof or under you know one firm, you do have different people who can do those things. Or again, as we've talked about, it could be under separate roofs. Um, and then, of course, the brokers are are just a very different kind of specialty that are not thinking about either of those things. They're thinking about how they can get a particular assignment requirement or transaction done. So that's yeah. just funda fundamental to this whole conversation. Right, right. And and under, under one roof, it allows you to have the meeting of the minds on a regular basis, right? Because that's part of it, too, is the strategies you mentioned. The property manager is thinking about maximizing that asset as a current condition to make sure that the tenants have what they need to be successful so that they'll stay as tenants and increase the value. And then having the asset manager working with the ownership group and the family members around the strategy of that asset. Right. And I know we got one right now that's talking about it in addition, in addition to the property. They've got enough room to add a pad. So how do we add that pad? What does that mean for the strategy? And then be able to have a meeting with the property manager there, the asset manager, development, oversight manager, and finance side of things with the ownership. You can kind of walk through that and kind of build it around that strategy. So um, as we always do, we always try to give things that our audience can listen to that can be used and taken to other uh, use, whether it's interviewing companies, but if you're interviewing a group to help you with your succession plan, I think those are kind of the questions to ask is, how will you help me maintain my current portfolio, which is key. But more importantly, I would say is how can you help my future generations grow this in the most tax efficient way to allow for cash flow for their generations? Yep. Um, versus just coming with a mindset of saying, I'm going to sell it all in 1031 into something. Yep. Which, if that's your strategy, fine. But at least go through the exercise to make sure that that's the right strategy that's going to allow for future generations to maximize the wealth around something that you've worked your butt off mm -hmm. to buy and maintain and hold and provide for your family's well-being. Mm -hmm. I hate seeing families just kind of not really explore that and just sell it and call it good because they work so hard to get it. And I hate to see him just give it away, so to speak. 
we we talk about a cycle of from wealth generation on one side to income development on the other and it really depends on where people are right it's like the as you said you're working with a client right now that has the younger generation coming in and saying you know let's let's leverage this uh, set of assets a little bit more so that we can increase the overall size and generate wealth for the long term well at some point they're going to kind of come back to the other side into the cycle and say you know what we want income right now we built this portfolio we, we want to benefit from it at this phase of our life. Well, the key is to know that the cycle can go around and around, right? You can shift the approach to take a portfolio from one side to the other. You don't shift it overnight, but it can be done. And, and that actually gets me to my second point I wanted to, to bring up in response to what you were saying, and that's about PAFE. Uh, you know, obviously we are we are biased. We have full service commercial real estate firms that we work for, and we would advocate for the under one roof approach because I will tell you that when we have asset management, property management and brokerage together, the pace at which we can work together is much faster than the pace that we work with externally. Now, I, I wanna elaborate a little bit on that, that I would think that asset manager is gonna have a different pace of the work because they're taking a broader view, but they need to be able to respond kind of in real time to property management and brokerage needs so that those operational goals can be achieved. And if there's a disconnect between property management brokerage and asset management, and you're just waiting for responses, then you know we know the classic say, saying that the thing that kills deals is time, or the thing that kills properties is delays. And so you gotta have some kind of alignment around pace, and whether you use in-house or whether you use third party as the owner, ultimately, you have to be monitoring that and saying, how do I match pace between asset management and the other functions? Uh, agreed. And and then also knowing the limits of who you're working with and their capabilities, right? Um, because, I mean, my area of expertise and my group's areas of expertise is very similar to yours, which is industrial, retail, and office. And I'm not a multifamily property manager, but I manage outside firms that do property management on behalf of my clients. So it's part of the big picture. And uh, and and we'll always look for who's going to be the best property manager. Now, there's some office products that we also asset manage, but we don't property manage because there was a better suited manager than our area of expertise. And we're going to bring that in. And I think the question that people should ask whoever they're working with, whether it's you know our firm or your firm or others, is are you bringing in the best of the best or are you just trying to keep all the fees to yourself? And, and that's a, a good question to ask and to make sure they're bringing in who's going to do the best job on behalf of that asset. So make sure that that group you work with has a fiduciary responsibility and takes that mindset very serious that they're trying to do what's best for the family and what's best for the firm that we represent in our area of expertise. And I think that's, that's sometimes hard in our industry and not all groups think that way, right? I know you and I, that's why we matched up really well in our conversations is that we've always looked at the client first and then look at the services we offer. And if we can't offer the service, we'll help them find the right one. Correct. But it's important for uh, that, to be able to have that, that frame of mind. Absolutely. I mean, it, it is a built in tension uh, and you kind of have to, as in our positions and as a client who's looking at us, you have to be able to weigh client benefit versus internal benefit. And you have to lean towards the client, really, whether you're formally a fiduciary or not, that's the right way to do it. And of course, that's how we handle things. And we have, you know, we, we're uh, serving as asset management manager for clients and have 
leasing brokers that are not under the NAI Elliott flag. Um, and as you said, we don't do multifamily anymore. So multifamily is a thing that we would outsource. And it, it brings me to just another point that I'd add to the conversation, which is um, above that triangle of asset management, property management, and brokerage, we always advise clients to find a team of advisors. And, and that team should have varieties of expertise. You know, There should be legal, there should be accounting, there should be the real estate advisors. And maybe you know you might need a couple of sets of real estate advisors, uh, some underneath asset management, as you alluded to, that have expertise in particular product types. But I think the client's highest and best use in terms of this whole kind of, of exploit of a, a family portfolio is to assemble the team of advisors and make sure that you've got the right people with the right expertise working on the right thing and that they interface together. But like there's, there's a whole other conversation yeah. we could have about how the real estate folks work with the CPAs on the tax issues. And obviously it's, you know, it's April 19th. So this is not a random time to be talking about it, but you know, that, that kind of connection is really important. And that's how that team of advisors needs to be built. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And we talked about this on the last podcast too, is just the depth of the bench of the group you work with. Right. So if you're putting together a strategy and a plan and you're putting together a team, you want that team to have the hit by a bus clause. And I use that one because God forbid, we don't want anyone to get hit by a bus. But if something happened to the advisor that's associated with you, hire somebody who does everything, then what happens to those assets? What happens to the back office? And you and I talk a lot about this, right? The reason why you and I work really well together is the back office, right? We have a back office that's second to none between the two groups. So the ability for us to have, uh, you know, duplication in the background that if somebody is out, somebody's sick, you know, something happens, there's somebody that can pick up the work and do the workload. And it's no different when you look at doing asset management and property management is whoever you decide to work with, ask them those types of questions. You know, what happens? Hey, this is great. I'm glad we're having a conversation, but what happens if you're not here? What happens if the person that's talking to us on the accounting side is not here? What's the backup? Oh, well, we got to hire somebody new. We got to do this. Like, no, no, no. I don't want anything to happen to the cash flow. I feel sorry for anything that happens to anybody. But at the end of the day, I have to make sure my assets are being taken care of. So what what's in place to assure me that that they're, they're still going to be taken care of? You know, we, we decided that we were going to come up with the uh, win the lottery questions as opposed to the hit by the bus question, just to like take the optimistic side of, of yeah. the whole equation. But um, that sounds better. I like that one better. <laughs> Win the lottery. That's what we talk about. But I think your, your point's crucial. And it's kind of, um, I, I think we can go there with the audience at this point, but all the things we talk about in terms of our advice for a client that has a portfolio of properties and today's focus, we're talking about the mom mom and dad that have built it and the children are coming and you know they need to have that that thoughtful process of building out a team really the same thing is true for our companies like you and I what we do a lot is we're building our team so that if somebody wins the lottery in one position and they're gone we've got the bench right we've got a backup plan so in many ways you know when i'm interacting with clients it's not to say that we have the same perspective because they're a property owner and I'm a third party uh, provider, but in some ways we do because we're building our respective teams, right? That's mostly what yeah. I do is trying to organize our company to be resilient for generations to come, you know, because we're, we're now 40 plus years in business and we're starting to see clients that are going through the cycle we're talking about. Like they built a portfolio and now that generation is 
in a very different place and the kids are of age and we're having to shift the philosophy of the portfolio. All the things we're talking about, like it's live happening right now. And my parents built the company that served those clients at first. And now I'm running a company that's serving the next generation. So we kind of mirror each other and how we're building out this team so that it can be sustained for the long term. Yeah, no, it, it is, it's, and it's not an easy decision. It's not, it's not, you know, it doesn't just happen overnight. And it's not one meeting. Um, and I think reason why you and I decided to do this topic as a podcast, cause we're living it on a regular basis. And when market cycles are in the position they're in right now, I'm getting calls of from family saying, you know, what? I think I'm going to sell the portfolio and I'm trying to show them the value of not selling the portfolio. Right. Obviously we could make money selling a portfolio for a client, but both of our firm's philosophy isn't about just jamming people through deals to make commissions. It's about, are we serving these clients that have been serving us for years, the right advice? And in a lot of cases, it's how do you, how do you structure this portfolio and outsource that, that uh, day-to-day interaction at the ownership level through an asset management, property management relationship with a full service team. And that's what you and I are living every day. We're having these conversations with people. And, um, you know, I, I just hate, I mean, you know, I hate seeing people that have worked their lives to build these assets up to be wor- worth what they are, and then just to turn around and just have to get rid of it because they feel like that's the only option they have, right? I mean, they, you know, it's it's uh, it, it, they're, it's it, it's hurtful in my mind to do it, and I'm I'm always trying to show them value, but in some situations it makes sense, but in a lot of them it's they just need to have a right team around them so that they can grow those assets and and make those long term legacy. Uh, properties cover future generations. It's so good to, if you think about our conversations over all these podcasts, we're really, I, I think, hopefully the audience would agree, we're trying to add depth to the kinds of commercial real estate firms that are out there, their philosophy and approach, and demystifying that, you know, a brokerage is not the same as a full service firm. Uh, and you, you have to understand those kinds of the construction of a company as a client who's looking for uh, people to help because we're going to bring a different perspective as a full service firm. And we're going to bring a different perspective as a firm that primarily serves families, multi-generational families and large portfolio families, because we're, we're just, we're not looking for the quick burn. We're looking for a long-term relationship because it benefits the client and it's how our business is sustained. And those are mutually beneficial. Yeah. And and if the option is to go down and sell that portfolio, you want to work with somebody who can help you get the maximum dollar for it. So is, is your property positioned? Are the leases correct? Do you have the right, you know, uh, do, do you have the the mechanical, is, there, is the inspection done? Is there any environmental issues? These things that we know we can address and get it dressed up so that you could sell that for maximum return versus just trying to cram a deal out there and get a deal done. And And our firm doesn't think that way. Your firm doesn't think that way. And I, and I really feel like on the NAI global level, a lot of the, the, the affiliated firms we work with kind of have the same thing. Is it's, it's client focus first mm-hmm. and let's do the right thing for the client. And if the opportunity comes up for us to, to do a transaction, we do the transaction. If not, yeah. we're going to help them grow that business. We're going to help yeah. them grow that asset. So, um, so I think it's important that people ask those questions of people that they're meeting with to build that team or to get advice on what to do with the portfolio because you want to make sure they're looking at it from your perspective as the overseer of the assets, you know, the mom and dad or the siblings that have taken over 
and uh, and and make sure they're true to the uh, what that asset can do versus just what the whim might be is just to, to sell it because the market's changing or hey we can maximize this but does it really maximize? No, I totally agree, and it just makes me think of the sub point here, which I know you're very well versed in of the coordination with the CPAs who will have invaluable advice and the like estate attorneys too will have invaluable advice about how to position things based on the client's goals. And we, we get a lot of referrals from those kinds of professional services. We often are referring our clients to them so that you get that holistic approach. And then, you know, you just start to tie things together. Okay. From a tax perspective and from an estate planning perspective, these are sets of goals and then we can add our perspective or we can help out, um, operationalize and act on yeah. those things. So important. So important. Yeah. And, 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 and I'll throw in there too, those wealth advisors, right? Cause we usually yeah. end up having that strategy around the cash flow of saying, okay, here's the cash flow from this. Um, and you'd be surprised how people don't really understand what the true cash flow or true return on that asset is. I mean, yeah. if the return on that asset, when you look at the equity is only like one or 2%, then you may want to look at it and say, well, maybe we should be 1031 and into mm-hmm. something else or selling it and moving it into a vehicle that's going to be uh, another growth vehicle for the family. So, um, and so the three there that I usually have the, the interactions with is the CPA, the wealth advisor, and the real estate attorney and a state attorney. And it's the strategy that we collectively come together based on the goals and the mission of the family is kind of how it comes together, but it has to be, you want to make sure you're working with someone who understands the language of all four groups and can help you get to that point. And, uh, and I think that's, that's important. So, I mean, for my parting words on this, um, it's, it's, it's really take the time to make the right decision and ask a lot of questions because you've worked so hard to get your real estate and your portfolio to this point. I'd hate to see it be taken advantage of just because somebody was able to give you a slick presentation and they, they made you feel good. I mean, yeah, it's, call, it's important to really just know what you're doing. Call one of us or call somebody like us and get the free advice we'll offer because I think uh, um, the savvy kind of listeners that you have or that we have, Derek, are going to know the difference between a slick presentation and somebody who's really in this work deep into it and understands how to navigate all of these complications. So make those calls now and get ahead of it, right? If you don't already have that team that we keep talking about, I like your fourth one with the wealth advisor added, you know, get that team organized and, and get, you know, all the kind of information you can up front because the the collaboration of those different folks is going to make a huge difference for a family. Yeah, agreed. All right. Jordan, I appreciate you taking the time to to, to be on the uh, the podcast this week, and uh, you know we'll think of another topic, you know, for our next one, which will again focus around giving advice and trying to help people uh, steward their assets uh, in uh, in interesting times that we're in right now. That is for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely, I look forward to it. It was a great conversation well, as usual. Well, thanks everybody for listening, and as always, if you have any questions, uh, you can reach out to either. one find us, you know, at uh, NEI Elliott uh, for Jordan, and I'm at uh, NEI Puget Sound Properties. Um, and, or you're going to send me a DM at Derek at docmail.com and uh, I'll get the message over to Jordan as well. But uh, thanks again, and I uh, wish everybody a great day. Take care. Thanks, I hope you enjoyed this episode 
And if you should have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to me directly at Derek at dokemail.com. Again, thanks for listening, and I hope you have a great day.